Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs here. Today we are going to be discussing optimal thyroid lab tests, except uh, we are going to be taking a different approach. Uh, today, instead of talking about why I think you should have optimal la thyroid lab tests, I'm going to be talking about the problems with focusing on optimal thyroid lab tests and what you should be doing instead. This has been a long time coming and something that I've been um, that I've been practicing already in my practice for quite a while, in fact. Um, but I and I've um, made mention to it in other blog posts, and so I want to actually talk about it uh, today. But it could be—it's uh, a pretty long topic, so we'll jump into it. Um, let, first, let me catch a some of you up um, if you're not already up to speed on the idea of optimal thyroid lab tests. So, what are they? Um, well, what has happened to thyroid patients as a whole is that they've been, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say they've been rather uh, mistreated or undertreated in regards to their thyroid, right? I think I think that's a fair statement. Um, and so what has occurred is that people have then tried to figure out reasons why that, that's been the case, uh, you know, because most thyroid patients, they only look, or I shouldn't say thyroid patients, I should say doctors that focus on treating thyroid patients, look only at one lab test, which is the TSH, and they say if it's in within this broad range, then it's normal right so that's been the standard and then people have said well what if you what if you look at uh, the lab test in a different way what if you said what if you optimize for a higher range and said that this optimal range is is more of this healthy range and what if you tried to focus and get all of your lab tests into this optimal slash healthy range then you will feel better and that's where this uh, concept was born this idea of optimal thyroid lab tests and so i have them clicked here you can look through them um i've i've talked about them in the past before i'm sure many of you are also aware of them the the today is not to focus on these things other than to say i think this is the wrong way of looking at your thyroid lab test and i think that focusing on the these will not actually help you i think it will actually harm you um in the long run so that and that's what we're going to be talking about Obviously, I need to explain that a little more. Um, so I'm going to talk about five reasons why I think um, focusing on these lab tests will will just lead uh, it will lead to problems down the road. Um, so we'll go into these in detail. Number one, obtaining optimal lab tests doesn't guarantee you will feel better. All right. So this is really the whole goal whenever you're treating somebody with uh, thyroid disease. You want them to feel better. You want them to eliminate their thyroid symptoms. And if you look at this from a physiologic perspective, you know that whenever you develop hypothyroid symptoms, those occur because you do not have enough thyroid hormone in your body. So the reason you go on thyroid medication is try to supplement whatever thyroid hormone your, your thyroid gland can produce to compensate for that lack that it's not able to produce, right? And so in so doing, you should be able to completely eliminate that, that gap that exists between your normal and the amount that you're actually producing, and you should eliminate your symptoms in the process. That's the entire goal of treating anyone with thyroid disease. You can do this with thyroid medication. You can do this with thyroid supplements if you don't have advanced disease. You can. This is what you do if you do not have a thyroid. This is just what it is. Now, the problem is, if you focus on the TSH as a way to measure if you're getting enough, you obvi that's obviously not a good enough marker, right? I think we all agree that focusing on the TSH um, and optimizing that doesn't mean that you'll feel any better. However, focusing on the optimal thyroid lab test does also doesn't guarantee that you'll feel any better. And the reason I know this is because I've been practicing this for a, uh, a long time. I've, I've tried it. I've, I've actually done it. So many of you um, probably operate in this field where um, you're frustrated because you can't get people to try your doctors to try and push you to those levels. So, you know, you're, you haven't even achieved that. But I can tell you from experience that I have done this a number of times. And when I say number, a lot, I'm talking about a lot on a lot of different patients using all different types of thyroid medication. And I've tried to push these values into these optimal ranges. And I've done this many times. And I've, I can tell you um, from experience that it rarely ever makes the patient feel better. So why push something to the limits if it doesn't actually improve, increase outcome or improve outcome in any way? 
And I want to actually um, illustrate a point here to, to sort of prove what I'm saying. So you'll see here a list of lab tests. These are thyroid lab tests. These are from um, my wife. And so um, I treat her yeah, with I treat her thyroid, um, and she's on specific types of thyroid medication. She's on T3 only, um, and so I'm, here are her lab tests. So I want to show you what what um, I'm looking at, and uh, you can see that they're all abnormal. So if you look at this, you see her T4, which is very low. That's why it's red. You see her TSH at 0.71, which most people would say, you know, that's within that normal range, but it's you know it's maybe touch on the lower end. Her free T4 is also very low. Not even it's it's way beyond the the normal reference range, and her free T3 is sky high. And you might think to yourself, well, this is this patient is really messed up. I'm actually perfectly fine with these lab tests, and I will be making no changes to a regimen as a result of looking at this. And so that's what I'm trying to, to talk to you guys about today. Um, and so, I, I've been again, I've been doing this for a long time, and I think most doctors who treat thyroid also do this. I think that they most realize they shouldn't be focusing on these optimal lab tests because they just don't work. So anyway, this is an example of what I'm talking about. If you if you looked at these lab tests and you thought, oh, we must make changes because she's not feeling better or whatever, then you're focusing on the wrong thing. Um, because I can tell you that I know she had an eating disorder and her metabolism was messed up and she had some treatment-resistant depression. All of those things have resolved under treatment, so I know she's doing better. Symptomatically, she's improved and these lab tests are fine. So that brings us to number two. If you push for optimal lab tests, you may use the wrong medication. And so I kind of have used uh, my wife's example um, again up here because if you look at this you can look at her free t3 or for, i'm sorry free t4 and you'll see that her range is 7.5 on a scale of 12 to 22. so you might look at this and say oh my gosh her t4 is her free t4 is really low which is true so what would be your knee-jerk instinct well let's give her more t4 to boost that range or to, to get that level up because we want that to be in that optimal range but that would be doing this particular patient and a lot of you i'm sure a disservice just manipulating your your values for the sake of manipulation does no good for the outcome or the clinical presentation of the patient sometimes it may but very rarely um, th is that actually the case so i want you to have, understand the big picture here so if you are focusing predominantly on these optimal lab tests and you're trying to get, let me kind of go up here to show you, you're trying to get all of your lab tests into these ranges, which are all over here, the optimal is all on the right side. Then look, if I said free T4, we can go here and say, oh, the optimal range is 1.4 to 1.77. But you can tell she's obviously really low. But does it matter if she's feeling better? And the answer is no. But I have seen many patients, especially those who leave comments on my blog, who think that because their free T4 is low, that they must push that up because in order to feel better, they must get that up. And what I'm telling you is doing that is focusing on the wrong thing. And by doing that, you may be adding in T4 medication when it's completely unnecessary, as it is in this case. Because adding T4 medication in these sort of settings may actually make other lab tests um, even worse. It may drive down the TSH even further. It may increase, well, it will increase your free T4, but does that really matter? Because in the process, it's going to be increasing your reverse T3 and decreasing your TSH. So this is sort of the manipulation of the lab tests that occur if you focus solely on these optimal levels and why it isn't the best. Um, number three is, so that was number one and number two. Number three is you can manipulate your lab tests and results however you want. And so I have some examples here. They're hypothetical. I do not want you to do these at home, but I want to show you how easy it is to manipulate your lab tests. And I've seen this happen a number of times, whether it be on accident or for some other thing. So uh, the examples I use here is, do you want your free T4 to be low and your TSH to be high? You can do that very easily by just taking uh, by avoid taking your uh, T4 dose of medication a couple days before you get your labs drawn. What that will do is it'll allow your body to eliminate by using some of that T4 medication, and then you'll manipulate your labs to make it look like you're more hypothyroid than you really are. You could do that very easily if you wanted your doctor to increase your dose. 
I, I don't know if this has ever been said anywhere, but that's absolutely a way that you could do this. And again, I'm not recommending you do this, but if you just didn't take your thyroid for a week before you got your labs tested, your labs would look like you're more hypothyroid and your doctor would increase your dose. Okay, that, that's just how you can do this. You can manipulate it in that way. Um, if you wanted your free T4 to be high and your TSH to be low, then you could just take um, two or three times your dose, four to five hours before you got your thyroid lab tested, and your labs would then show that your results are, are wonky in that way. But again, that, and, and by the way, even if you took two to three times your dose, you probably wouldn't experience hyperthyroid symptoms. You might, but, but they would go away as your body metabolizes. it. So, I mean, again, you can manipulate it very easily. Um, another way to increase your T3 would be to just, um, to make your free T3 look insanely high, like, by the way, my lab, my wife's labs test, would be to take your T3 the morning before you get your labs drawn. And by doing that, you'll see that your free T3 skyrockets really high up there. And this is exactly what happened in this test. So, uh, I'm embarrassed to say she did, she did take her medicate, she did take her T3 prior to this. And so that's why her free T3 is so high. And that's also why I'm not super worried about this range, um, to begin with. But the point is, is this is occurring whether you're testing for it or not. So when you take your medication, um, you're, you're, when you, when you draw your labs, you're looking at what is happening with your thyroid at that point in time. And what most people will do is they'll say, well, I want to check 24 hours later because I don't want to be as surprised when I look at my labs. But the truth is they were still that high, whether you looked at them or not. And if they didn't cause any problems to you, when it, your serum lab test showed your free T3 in the 20 range, then, you know, why are you suddenly concerned when you check it later and you find that it's 12 or 13 or whatever? If it's not causing you symptoms um, and you just aren't aware that it's there because you haven't tested at that exact time, why does it matter? So again, I'm just pointing out that uh, it's really easy to manipulate these labs. And so if you are focusing solely on the la on your lab test as a way to adjust and, and um, change your medication dosages, then you might find that you're doing the wrong thing. And so what, what the other thing, the other uh, problem that I'm men mentioning here is that even, we've talked about optimal thyroid lab tests, but there has never been any uh, one person or, or entity or um, individual or group of individuals that have come out and said, here's how you interpret thyroid lab tests. Um, and, and as a result, you get a number of different reactions to the same set of labs. So if we use my wife as an example up here, the same one that I keep alluding to, you might see a re reaction from a doctor such as, she's, oh my gosh, she's so hyperthyroid. Can you believe her free T3 is that high? We need to stop all of her medications at once. And on the flip side, you might hear something like, let's add T4 to her regimen because we need to improve her T4 levels because they're so low. So you have these different responses to the same set of, of labs and nobody is sure which is the actual, which is the right response to take. Okay, so that's a problem. There's, there's no standardization in terms of how we look at these labs. But if your standard is looking at the optimal thyroid lab test, you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble for the reasons that I've mentioned before. Yes, we do have some basic recommendations. I've talked about them here. Um, you can click such as, you know, this is why a lot of people will say, well, we need to make sure that we check your thyroid lab or you, you need to avoid taking your medication right before you get your labs tested um, and so on. So there are some things and I do agree as long as you can do these things then you can kind of create um, some consistency in how you look at lab tests. But I'll tell you the truth. I've looked at so many different lab tests that I just need to know. I just need the person to tell me what they were doing that day, what time of day they got them drawn, you know, when did they take their medication in relation to their labs and I can I can adjust kind of on the fly all of these variables so I don't always necessarily need to see that but you know some people like it and so that's fine um, so the next one is uh, you may be focusing on the wrong metric and so what I say here is that um, all right sorry I had to pause the video for a second but we're back here so number uh, four uh, what I was mentioning before is you may be focusing on the wrong metric 
And what I'm trying to say here is that a lot of people will focus solely on their lab tests and they will exclude all other important clinical information. And again, I understand why the temptation is there because people like numbers. Um, I understand it's, it's kind of sort of easy to grasp. It's, it's somewhat intuitive. Oh, if I get my labs here, then I'll, then I'll suddenly feel better. Um, I understand where that comes from. However, if you do this, you may be neglecting one of the most important, most important factors um, as to whether or not you're being treated correctly. And that is your clinical presentation your symptoms. How are you feeling? Because a lot of times I will find patients who, for whatever reason, will be feeling great. Um, and then they will make changes based off their lab tests. And then they'll feel worse and be like, I don't understand what happened. Why did I feel worse? Well, the point is you don't look solely at one product you, or one factor. You're looking at this, you're looking at yourself as an individual, as a, as a person that has multiple moving parts and your labs are just one of those parts. And by the way, it's perfectly fine and normal for some, for your labs to be abnormal once or twice here or there. And that's just a, a standard error that occurs with some lab tests. So if you're focusing solely on these labs and making treatment decisions off of one lab test, when you otherwise feel great, you're making a mistake. And I've seen that many, many, many times. You'll see comments and posters on my blog do that same, same thing um, somewhat frequently. And then they'll ask me, what happened? I was like, well, you never should have made any changes if you felt good. Like, why, why would you make any changes if you felt good? And then number five, this is actually pretty important. We, I think I kind of alluded to it earlier, but it's not always possible to actually obtain optimal free T3 and free T4 levels at the same time. Um, and so what happens here is that if you end up trying to do this, um, you're going to have to sacrifice one set of lab tests for another. So um, let me kind of go back up and show you. What a lot of people will do is they'll look at this optimal lab test and they'll think, okay, well, I need all of my lab tests, my TSH, my free T3, my free T4, my reverse T3, my total T3, my, you know, yada, yada, yada. I need all these at the same time to be optimal. That is essentially, as far as I'm concerned, impossible. I've, I've never actually seen anyone with all of these lab tests in that range simultaneously. And so what people have, have done instead is they've said, okay, well, we can neglect the TSH because that one's not important. Because as you, as you give somebody, as, as you give somebody more T3 and more T4, it constantly drives that TSH down. So they say, okay, I got an idea. I'll optimize free T3 and free T4, but I have to neglect TSH to do that because as I give the person more, more T4 and more T3, obviously the TSH is going to be suppressed. And what this leads to is a number of patients who believe, incorrectly by the way, that anytime you take NDT or anytime you take um, T3, such as cytomel or thyronine, the TSH must be suppressed. In fact, I've had people argue that point to me um, on my blog many times. They're like, I, I like what you're saying, except it's impossible. You must suppress the TSH when you take T3. To which I would just respond, look at these. This is this is a patient on pure T3 with a normal TSH. And it doesn't matter that her T4 is lower, that her free T3 is high. But if you focus on these free T3 and free T4 um, to the effect that you drive the TSH down, well then yes, what your statement is true, but it doesn't make it right. It just means that you're, you're focusing on two labs, you're focusing on free T3 and free T4 over the TSH which again is not necessarily good because there are some some consequences documented to suppressing the TSH long term. Now well, I, I will agree that some of those consequences are, you know, um, exaggerated and, you know, doctors have an irrational fear of osteoporosis and, and atrial fibrillation in people who have low TSHs. Um, but, you know, still there, there is some risk. And so you never want to willy nilly just neglect the TSH because it doesn't fit your current understanding of the thyroid. It's always possible that you can just expand your understanding of the thyroid and have both a good TSH and a, you know, a decent free T3 and free T4, but also have good symptoms in the process, lose your weight and so on and so forth. So again, uh, the way that I look at it, it's impossible to obtain free T3, free T4, and optimal TSH all at the same time. So it's kind of a bad, a bad way of looking at it anyway. If you can never achieve the thing that you're looking for, then how can you say that that's the proper way to look at it? Okay, so 
Having said that, um, and by the way, I, I've, I do not, like I said before, I do not look at labs in this way when I treat patients. And if you go back to some of my other blog posts, what I, what I have said is that looking at these optimal ranges is helpful, but only if you are not taking thyroid medication, which has led some um, savvy people to send me emails and leave comments and say, well, what, what am I supposed to do if I'm taking medication? So, and that's the question. That's the one that I, I haven't really been avoiding it necessarily. I've just been trying to figure out how to explain what's in my brain um, as I look at people and do this. So I'm going to attempt to do that now, um, but realize it's, it's pretty complicated. So here's all the things that I'm looking at. So I'm not going to go over these in detail, otherwise we'll be here for another 30 minutes or, or longer. Um, but I want to show you kind of how I think about this. So I'm looking at these factors here when I look at somebody who's taking thyroid medication. Because again, you can't look just solely at the optimal thyroid lab test, otherwise you may lead to the problems that we've all mentioned before, or that I mentioned before. So number one, the TSH. Um, not in terms of order necessarily, but this is just how I'm, I'm listing them here. Um, in my opinion, you never... Not never, but if you can, you do not want to suppress the TSH. Having a low TSH, I think, is is okay. Um, a, a low but non-suppressed TSH is, ends up being where I think most of my patients um, are. And by the way, the, the patients that I'm treating, they do they eliminate their symptoms or at least eliminate 95 plus percent of those symptoms. So they're patients that are doing well. I'm not keeping them at a high TSH and they're feeling crummy the whole time. No, they are feeling very well um, in the process. And so if you can, so it definitely is possible uh, based on my experience to have a low but non-suppressed TSH be optimal. Uh, another thing that I focus on is a total T3. I think that this is a better long-term marker of total T3 stores in the body. And I focus more on total T3 than I do on free T3 because uh, free T3 can be manipulated, as I said previously. So the free T3, free T3 to reverse T3 ratio, um, I do look at this, but not as much as I think a lot of other people do. I think that it can give you some information, which is helpful, but not always. But, you know, it's part of the puzzle. So I do order it and I do look at it. Um, I can just eyeball it now. I don't actually do the, act the calculation nowadays because um, I could just look at the difference between the spread and then compare it to the previous lab test and say, okay, well, you know, reverse T3 is dropping a little bit. Free T3 stayed the same. Well, we still have overall improvement. And what this is telling you is how uh, likely your cells are to be able to use that T3 that is there. High levels of reverse T3 obviously block uh, the action of T3 um, on the cell, so that's that's obviously not what you want. And you will see high reverse T3 levels in those people who are have just done um, rapid weight loss uh, or have any sort of metabolic damage. So when I check somebody who's done like the HCG diet or some sort of fasting, um, you know, over fasting diet, and they've damaged their metabolism in the process. I'll see sky high reverse T3s. I'll also see sky high reverse T3s on those people who are taking just pure T4 medication. So we talked, another factor I look at is clinical presentation and symptoms. We discussed that below, so I won't look at it. Um, another important thing is hormone imbalances. So remember, there are some hormones, um, such as leptin and insulin, uh, which I think can mimic some of the symptoms of hypothyroidism, and they can lead certain people who don't understand the difference down the wrong track. They might incorrectly believe that, or they might incorrectly attribute many of their symptoms to these uh, to their thyroid, when in reality, they're more related to insulin or to leptin or so on and so forth. And so you really need to have an understanding, a full understanding of the endocrine system, including hormones outside of your thyroid, because sex hormones play a role as well. In fact, when I'm treating people and, and listening to them and talking and consulting with them, Oftentimes, I'm in my head, I'm always thinking, is, is the thyroid their main problem or is it a secondary problem? What is the main issue? Because if you can clean up the, the, the main issue, oftentimes you'll see the other hormones um, sort of fit back in line um, as they go. And so um, I would say a, a fair amount of people that come to me, their thyroid isn't even their main problem. Usually it's, you know, in a lot of them, it's metabolic damage, um, which has then caused thyroid problems, which is, but the main problem is insulin and leptin. And once you trigger, fix those things, then the thyroid gets fixed in the process. So that's sort of how I look at that. Resting heart rate is another good uh, measure and something that you should be looking at. It's a proxy for how your thyroid is functioning. Um, 
and if you have a really low heart rate, that means that your thyroid might be a little bit lower suppressed. And if your resting heart rate is too high, that means you might be having too much thyroid. Uh, so I like to look at that uh, or at least ask about it um, in the people that I'm um, treating. Blood pressure is another one. Same thing as heart rate because they impact one another. Um, it can also give you an idea if your blood pressure is really high um, and your thyroid is really low. Well, then that's an indication that you might have something like insulin resistance or, you know, your, your weight is um, impacting your, uh, your hormones negatively. Another big one is metabolism and calorie burn. So I'm always trying to figure out how much is this person actually burning calorie-wise because, again, that's another factor for their thyroid. So if I look at somebody and let's say their free T3 is, I don't know, let's just make up a number 15, so it's sky high, and yet they're still gaining weight. Um, that's a contradiction, right? Those two things, that doesn't mean their free T3 needs to be dropped necessarily. That means we need to be focusing on other things. So this is how I'm putting this into context. So I'm looking at their, their T3, but I'm also looking at in the setting of how many calories are they consuming? What is their metabolism like? What are their other hormones like? All of these things uh, create the bigger picture and they help guide treatment. Um, another thing would be energy levels. I really like to look at somebody's energy level because I think that energy tends to respond quickly to thyroid dosing. So if you're on the right track with your dose, you'll see the ener energy level start to improve. Again, that's more of a subjective measure because there's no way to actually test for, for energy otherwise than just asking, like, what's your energy like? Um, but I do find that that's really helpful. Inflammation status is another important thing. So I look at ESR and CRP and um, ferritin levels and other things which can indicate whether or not you have inflammation in your body. Um, and if I see high levels of inflammation, then I know that that may be negatively impacting T4 to T3 conversion. So then I focus more on the free T3 to reverse T3 ratio and so on. Um, cholesterol levels are a good indication. to see, They're a really sensitive marker for, for hypothyroidism. So if I see a thyroid patient who has high cholesterol and we're helping them lose weight and they're losing weight, but their cholesterol remains high, then, then to me that tells me that's an indicator or a sign that the, the thyroid hormone is not getting into the cells and it may not be getting to the liver or it may not be converting or some other issue there. So I do like to see cholesterols drop as, um, as I'm giving thyroid medication. And then, of course, we talked about this previously, but how well you're converting T4 to T3. So you can look at things like your total T3, your, your free T4, your free T3, and compare them to one another. You don't compare them to an optimal range necessarily, but you compare them to one another. So as I gave somebody medication, as I gave them T4, did their T3 also go up? Or did the reverse T3 go up? Because if I'm giving you T4 and your reverse T3 goes up, well, I know your body's not really utilizing it correctly. Okay, so this is, this is the bigger picture of how I'm looking at this thing. Um, and I, I've avoided... I shouldn't say avoid it. I just, I've been trying to think about how to put this into words, how I look at it. So if I were you and you were listening to this, I would come back and I would read through this uh, because it's not quite as intuitive as the optimal thyroid lab test, but this is the way that you're actually going to feel better. And this is, this is what I'm looking at when I treat patients. And again, it's a little more complicated. It's a little more nuanced, obviously, but in my opinion is the best way. And this is how you can achieve, you know, back to, you can get back to your normal self, but it's not by looking at your optimal thyroid lab test. And I talk about here, when are the optimal thyroid lab tests, sort of lastly, this is our last um, area. So when are the optimal thyroid lab tests helpful? I think they're helpful in the diagnosis of hypothyroidism, but even then they're imperfect. And the reason is this, I don't even know, the example I use here is if we lined up 100 people um, on the street and we compared them, we said, okay, we're going to use this, this optimal thyroid lab test as a diagnostic tool to determine whether or not you have hypothyroidism. So we line up these 100 people and we test every single one and we compare their, their lab results of their thyroid. And by the way, these are healthy people. Um, and we compare um, their, their actual thyroid lab tests to these optimal ranges that we have created. If we did that, we would find that about 95% or more of these healthy patients would fail 
and they would be classified as hypothyroidism when that's not actually true at all. So the, the, what I'm trying to point out here is these optimal ranges are way too strict. They're way too stringent, even for healthy people. So if they're way too strict for healthy people, then how can we use them for hypothyroid patients? And again, I know why, because we, we mentioned this before. This has to do with the fact that hypothyroid patients have nothing else. And the TSH has failed them and doctors have been, you know, largely ignoring them. So I understand how this, how this popped up and um, was created. And yet the problem still remains. We can't really use it. Um, we can't use it in that way. But I do think that if you use the optimal thyroid lab test in conjunction with their clinical symptoms, which is how I look at this, then it can be useful as a diagnostic tool. But if you use it just as the lab test and you don't look at, uh, at somebody's weight or cholesterol or resting heart rate or cal caloric burn or clinical presentation, you're, you're not doing it correctly. Um, uh, and so I think that was pretty much anything uh, or I think that was pretty much all the things that I wanted to talk about. But lastly, I just wanted to say you cannot use or you should not use the optimal thyroid lab test if you're taking any sort of thyroid medication. I think it all falls apart um, at that level. So uh, there, uh, hopefully that you guys found this helpful. Um, I've been waiting a long time to I'm putting this together, uh, th this concept together. So it's a little bit longer than, than I normally do. But if you have any questions about this, please leave them in the comments below and I'll do my best to answer. But again, I would recommend that you go through, you read this in detail. And depending on the questions that you guys have, I'll probably come out with another one, which is which offers some more clarification. But I at least wanted to get my thoughts out um, and put them out there so that people could start reading and um, assimilating and digesting the information. So otherwise, I will see you guys in the next one.